This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Nicholas Lidstrom is widely considered one of, if not the greatest, NHL defenseman of all time. He played 20 seasons for the Detroit Red Wings, including six as the team's captain. Lidstrom won four Stanley Cups, seven James Norris Memorial Trophies as the NHL's top defenseman, won Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP, and made 12 NHL All-Star Game appearances. Now he's got a new book. In his memoir, The Pursuit of Perfection, Lidstrom teams up with journalist Gunnar Nordstrom and sports columnist Bob Duff to look at back on his career and his personal journey from his beginnings in Sweden to being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2015. He joins me now here in the WDET studio, Nicholas Lidstrom. Welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, thank you. Thanks it's for really having me great on. Great to have you here. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Talk about the moment that you realized that you wanted to be a hockey player. Oh, this is going way back. As a little <laughs> kid uh, growing up in Sweden, uh, I fell in love with the game of hockey when I was seven. Uh, I wanted to, wanted to play, uh, you know, every time I had a chance to do it, I played soccer growing up in the summertime, but hockey was my was my passion. And uh, I think I decided at an early age that that's why I wanted to to try to, to become a hockey player. And, and eventually when I got drafted back in 89, it, it, I got closer to, to, you know, making that dream. Yeah. Um, so what kind of players did you look up to when you were coming up? And was that what inspired you? Uh, of course, growing up in Sweden, uh, Borja Salming was a big uh, defenseman that played for uh, Toronto Maple Leafs for a lot of years. Uh, he was one of the idols I had. But also, uh, uh, growing up in the in the mid-80s, watching Edmonton Oilers and their their teams they had with uh, <clears throat> Wayne Gretzky, uh, uh, Paul Coffey, uh, Glenn Anderson, Jari Curry, just all the, the all-stars they had on their team was, was really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so how old were you when you came to Detroit to play for the Wings? Uh, I was uh, 21 at the time when I, when I joined the Wings, yes. Yeah. So that's a, I mean, that's a, a pretty young age, and, and you're moving to a new city uh, and, and playing on a professional team. Take us back to that first season with the Wings and what that was like coming here to Detroit. Yeah, no, it was a little, a uh, little nerve-wracking to uh, to come over to to the U.S. I never mm-hmm. been in the U.S. before before I came over to sign my contract, so uh, a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous about if I'm going to make the team or not, if I'm going to play with the Wings or being sent down to the to the mine uh, to the minors. But uh, I played in a in a tournament called Canada Cup before I joined the Wings in the in the fall of '91, uh, and I played against the top players, uh, the, the Gretzkys that I mentioned, uh, other team uh, other teams like the Russians, uh, the best U.S. players. So when I faced them, I I realized I had a chance to make it in the NHL too, but you're still there's still 60 players that battling for 23 spots, so mm-hmm. you, you still weren't sure. And and remind us of the team you joined. What was going on with the Wings uh, at that point? Uh, well, back in the early 90s, the team started to play better and better. Uh, they didn't have any uh, much playoff success, but you can see that we we had pieces to become a good team. We had Steve Eisenman, our captain and our leader. Uh, Sergey Fedorov was in his second year in the league. Uh, we had some other star players. We traded for Paul Coffey. So the, the bits and, and pieces started to fall together as a team. We uh, got Scotty Bowman as our coach uh, back in 93. So 
uh, having a, a coach that's won in the past that has uh, a lot of Stanley Cup rings on his fingers yeah. uh, that gave <laughs> us an opportunity to to move closer to to that goal. Yeah, and I remember those early and mid '90s teams and how close they seemed to be getting to the Stanley Cup Finals, and then we finally went in '95 and played the Devils and got swept. And I thought, oh, wait, we're much further away from that than, than maybe we thought. Yeah, no, we had some disappointing years, uh, especially 95, playing so well in the playoffs, going all the way to the finals. Uh, I think we only lost two games re- before reaching the finals. And then we, met, we played against a much better New Jersey Devils team that were bigger and stronger and, and, and swept us in four games. So I think that gave us the, the taste of going all the way to the finals, but also knowing what it takes to, to go there and n- n- not being satisfied with that, but knowing how to take the next step. So it took us another couple of years before reaching you know, the finals back in 97 and, and going all the way and winning the cup. Yeah. What what changed between 95 and 97? Uh, was there was there kind of a reckoning with the team and, and the way it was constituted or the way it was playing that said, we've got to do something different? I think a little bit. I think we we learned a lot from, uh, like I said, playing against bigger and stronger teams. You know, we added a player like uh, Brendan Shanahan, a strong power forward that can score goals, but also play tough when needed. Uh, so we added bits and pieces to to make our team even better, especially in the playoffs when when it's a little little tougher, to, you know, to get wins. And I we learned a lot from that ninety ninety five loss as well, knowing you know, what it took to go all the way and and. All the pieces came together in, in 97 for us to, to reach the final and finally winning the cup. And win, yeah, yeah. Uh, my guest is Nicholas Lidstrom, legendary NHL defenseman who played 20 seasons for the Detroit Red Wings. He is the author of a new book, The Pursuit of Perfection. If you want to join the conversation, call and tell us what questions you have for Nicholas Lidstrom. What was your favorite season watching the Red Wings and why? And do you think the team will get back to the idea of winning Stanley Cups again? What do you think needs to happen to get us there? As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. We should also mention that uh, Nick will be at Little Caesars Arena, Tuesday, December 17th, outside Portal 8 between Kid Rock's Made in Detroit and District Market uh, from 6 to 7.15 p.m., signing copies uh, of his book. Um, I want to talk about um, being a defenseman and what role that is in hockey and what drew you to that as opposed to the other positions. Uh, you are you are known as, as I said in the open, one of the greatest defensemen of all time. Uh, it's a complicated it's a complicated role on uh, on the ice. Uh, it is, yeah. And uh, as a little kid, you're trying all different uh, positions. The coach is, is moving you around, except goalie. I didn't play goalie, but I played center. <laughs> I played forward, just trying different positions. And uh, I I kind of like playing uh, on the defensive side of the puck, where uh, you you see all the play in front of you. Uh, you can you can still make long passes, make plays. You can be part of the offense, but you can de- you have to defend. You have to be good at at skating, but you have to be good at defending in your own zone. And that's something that I appreciate it. It's something I, I like doing. Uh, it's a more uh, physical part of the, uh, it, of the it, team, Yeah, right? it can be. It can yeah. be. You have to be more physical. You have to play your position real well. And if you, you know, if you make a mistake, the other team usually gets a, gets a breakaway and you rely on your goalie. So it, it, mistakes are 
uh, magnified when you play defense. As a forward, you can you can kind of lose the puck or, or make a mistake in the offensive zone, and that's not going to hurt you. But as a defenseman, it, it's a lot you're a lot more vulnerable. Uh, so I, I like that. But you can still be part of the offense. You can still uh, join a rush. You can still uh, you can run a power play, be a quarterback in the power play, and, and get the shots through or set up plays. Uh, so I like the uh, combination of both you know playing offensive style and the defensive style. Hmm. Uh, what was it like uh, when the Red Wings welcomed the Russian Five and the grind line? I mean, that was sort of a change to the team, and uh, it, it was a different era of, of Red Wings hockey. Uh, yeah, it was. You know, Scotty Bowman, uh, we, we added uh, Slava Fetisov in the year after uh, Igor Larionov, and, and Scotty, being a master coach that he was, you know, he wanted to try something different. He wanted to try all the Russians together because they keep uh, they play. Uh, different style than the North American style. They want to keep the puck within the team, not dump it in and chase it. They want to uh, pass it back to defensemen instead of, you know, getting rid of it. So they played a different style and that's, that gave our team a, a different dimension. I think it was harder to play against us because we had that group of five that can play so well together and, and no, they were communicating in a different way than, than the rest of us did, <laughs> but they were a big part of our team. And, and how has hockey changed since then? Uh, that was a sort of an era of of a very distinct, I guess, time here uh, with, with the Red Wings. It's a it's it's a really different game now, isn't it? The game has changed. The game has gotten a lot faster. Uh, players are they're stronger, they're faster. It doesn't mean they're they're bigger, but they're faster. And the skill level is is much higher than it was back in the nineties. And you know, we had uh, some rule changes, uh, 2004, 2005, where clutching and grabbing and holding players up with your stick, using your stick a lot more were allowed. And after that, you couldn't do that, Where, which means you have to be a sm- so much better, stronger skater. Yeah. So that changed the game. And, and I think that's what you see in today's hockey with the, the speed and the skill of the game. Yeah. Um, that physicality that they're trying to take out of the game, I think, lends itself to the speed right uh, if, if you're not if you're not holding up uh, people as much if you're not uh, grinding on 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 people as much then the game moves faster yeah and it's it's harder to to play that kind of style if, if you play teams that are so skilled they they can outskill you with their speed or with their their uh, ability to stick handle so that makes it harder and, t- and tougher for for that tougher game to to be allowed. And I think that's why you see the game evolving of being faster and quicker. Yeah, uh, of course you played with uh, Steve Eiserman, uh, who was the captain of the team for for a very long time, and now he's the general manager. Uh, tell us what that was like. Uh, what were those teams like when when you got here to Detroit, and he was helping to build uh, what we would eventually have? Yeah, no, Steve was he was a superstar when I came to the league. Now he was one of the the top uh, players probably top three or top four players in in the NHL. And he was kind of our backbone uh, as a leader, as a captain, but also as the the guy that was would score the, the important goals or get all the points for us. So uh, I had a great time having Stevie as my captain. Uh, he was a, a tremendous leader in the locker room. He wasn't uh, wildly outspoken. He was more kind of a quiet and, and a little bit reserved. But he when he said something, and he said it at the right time, and he said the right things, and then he could go out there and back it up. He could... He would elevate his game when the games got into the playoffs or when you reached uh, 
important uh, parts of games. Stevie would you know, elevate his game to become even better. Yeah. Uh, so he was he was a great role model for me to to try to follow his footsteps when yeah, I became captain. Yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, uh, you you eventually become the captain. You do that for six seasons. Uh, talk about that transition from player to captain and what that that looks like and feels like. Yeah, the, the responsibility gets a little bigger. You know, you're. Uh, more involved with with uh, or you're talking a lot more to the coaching staff and, and on different scenarios whether it's traveling or, or the lineup or how we're playing as a team so your your responsibilities gets a lot higher but I think being so close having been close to Stevie for so many years and, and watching him deal with it and how he handled it and and, and just having a couple of discussions with him when I first uh, got the captaincy it was really helpful for me. Because uh, uh, he w- he was that role model for me when I w- became captain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about your feelings about the city of Detroit? I mean, you you spent twenty seasons with uh, the Red Wings. That's a very long time. Uh, do you think of Detroit as home uh, now, or do you still think of Sweden as your home? I I, I do feel Detroit is my home away from home. Uh, even though I'm from Sweden, mm-hmm. I I I lived here in. in in uh, the state of Michigan and in the Detroit area for 20 seasons and 20 years. And I, I fell in love with the area. We have a lot of friends outside of hockey with me and my wife and our kids. And it's always fun coming back here and, and visiting with friends and old teammates. And so I, I treat this as my home away from home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little about uh, the book, uh, The Pursuit of Perfection. I, I always ask uh, people about the titles of their book, where they got it from and what, what it means to them. Uh, where did you come up with that? Uh, well, it, back uh, a long time ago, some yeah. of my teammates uh, called me the perfect, <laughs> the perfect, you, human, the perfect right? human, which I kind of still giggles about and I, I kind of shrug my shoulders that's about a it. Lot of, that's a lot of burden to place on someone, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's uh, two of the, the funny guys in our locker room, Chris Draper and Chris Oscar, that kind of came up with that. And, uh, uh, I, I kind of giggle at it, but that's, you know, we're looking, looking for a title and, and, uh, my co-authors were kind of leaning towards something like that. And it's, they thought it was fitting. And, and after uh, some persuasion, they, they, I decided to, you know, we, we can go with that, but <laughs> you it's, could embrace it's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still kind of having a little fun with that, uh, that nickname they gave me back in the day. Yeah. But, but I mean, if you look at your career and all of the things you accomplished, I mean, nobody is perfect, of course. But I mean, it it really is as close to to a perfect a perfected career, I guess, as as you could come up with. I tried when I was playing. I tried to to keep my uh, my level of play as high as possible. You know, you're gonna have your ups and downs. You're when you're feeling great, you're playing great, and then you're you're gonna have your dips when you're not uh, doing as well as you can. I tried to, to kind of get rid of the the low dips and play as, as strong as I could all the time, and and I took a lot of pride in doing that too. And I think. Uh, Though that's that's kind of part of what what they were thinking of when I, they came up with that nickname, but that's that's one of the things I, I looked at when I was still when I was active playing, trying to not have too many dips and, and, yeah. and playing you know poorly. Consistency is the thing that yes. I think is hardest yes. in anything that you're doing, right? To 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 do it every day and do it at the highest uh, at the highest level. Uh, can you can you remember times when that was harder than at other times when it was harder? To, to keep at it and to, to, to keep the play at the level that that you expected of yourself? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I, I felt that it's whether you're you're tired or you're you're a little banged up, you're a you're, uh, little bit hurt when you're playing, you're still playing, but you, you can feel your the bumps and bruises on your body and still trying to be that consistent player was hard sometimes. 
And me as an offensive defenseman that was part of the power play, if you weren't producing, you also felt that pressure of, Oh, the power play is not doing as well as you, you'd like to, and, and you, you're not getting the points. So you can feel that pressure as well. But uh, the, that consistency is something I try to, to do all every day. Yeah. Uh, I also want to ask you about Mike Babcock, uh, who was the coach here for, for many years. And he's taking some heat right now uh, after Johan Franzen accused him of being, quote, the worst person I have ever met. He said he was verbally, verbally abusive as a coach. Um, what's your reaction to all of that? And what was your own experience with Babcock as coach? Uh, I feel for Johan when I, when I heard that, when I uh, read that story. And that's something I wasn't aware of. That's something that came up uh, you know, much later. Uh, but uh, Mike Babcock was a demanding coach. He demanded a lot from his, his players. Uh, he had his teams prepared. He, he, uh, he knew what to put in front of the players every day to for the team to be successful, but he could be demanding too. And sometimes when you're when you get into the grind of, of playing and working hard every day, it, it gets sometimes tired on your body and on your mind. And he was he was more of a demanding coach that he he demanded a lot from his players. Mm. Uh, what would you say is the contrast between someone like Mike Babcock, for instance, and Scotty Bowman, another another? coach that you had here in Detroit, uh, were they really different in the way they approached leading the team? A little bit different. I think Babcock was more, he was more hands-on where he, uh, he wanted control of, of whether it's special teams or uh, uh, how the team's doing defensively or offensively. He was hands-on on everything. Whereas Scotty was more uh, relying on his assistant coaches. He would have one one coach uh, work the power play and the other work the, the penalty killing and kind of give them the, the responsibility of, of this is this is your job. So uh, Scotty was more of a overseeing everything, whereas I think Babcock was more hands-on on everything. And uh, I think Scotty had more, he was he was an older coach. Mm-hmm. He kept his distance a little bit more to the players than than what Mike did. And, and that's some of the, the differences that I saw. Yeah. Uh, of course, right now, uh, the team is not in great shape, <laughs> not doing very well. I wonder I wonder what it's like for you to watch that, uh, the, the, the struggle. And, of course, they're rebuilding. I have no doubt, really, that they will get back to, you know, that level of, of Stanley Cup excellence that we've kind of come to expect here. But, but talk about how, how you see that and how hard it is, maybe, to watch that team struggle. Uh, it's difficult when you see the, the players and the, and the, team, uh, the team struggle. Uh, you're, the team has, has set such a high standard over the last two decades that people expect them to be there every season, to be in the be a top team, to make the playoffs and, and be a contender. And after 25 seasons, I think, of making the playoffs, uh, you know, that rebuild finally came to the wings too, that they yeah. were looking to, to do a rebuild. You couldn't... Uh, uh, go out and sign free agents the way they've done in the past, and it, it made it more difficult to uh, to develop players as well. So that's I think that's where we're at today. The team is rebuilding. Uh, the young players are getting an opportunity to play a lot, which which they need to be successful down the road. But uh, it's some growing pains when when you have to go through that. Yeah. Uh, do you have confidence in your former teammate uh, as the general manager that you'll be able to? Pull it together. I do. I, I think uh, Stevie Eisman did a great job down in Tampa, where uh, you know he he went there in, in 2010 and he took them all the way to the finals, and he was able to to assemble that team and have a lot of success with that team. And I, I'm I'm sure Stevie will do the same thing with, with the Red Wings again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have some questions from folks on social media. Uh, what was your hardest season 
with the Wings? What was the season that, that you just couldn't wait to be over? Uh, some of the tough seasons, uh, well, some of the, the later seasons in my career, we, uh, you know, we went to the finals in 2008 and won the cup, went to the finals in, in 09 and lost uh, in the finals in game seven at mm-hmm. home, which is still hurting a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I remember that game. But the season after that was, you know, we started our regular season in Sweden, actually played two regular season games in Sweden. You have to travel all the way over there and play and then come back and, uh, having gone to the finals two years in a row, it, it takes its toll on, on your body. And then starting that third season, that uh, 09 2010 season, was was hard. And we weren't playing as good as we've had in the past. And we were we made the playoffs, but it was a struggle the whole season to to make the playoffs. And that that season is, is was a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question is: If you weren't a hockey player, what would you have done? I would imagine that's really hard to think of as as long as you spent doing it and as successful as you were at it. Yeah, well, as a 16-year-old, I moved away from home to uh, to go and play hockey and study at the same time. So I studied uh, uh, to become an engineer. Hmm. And uh, after four years of school and I did my military service in, in Sweden for a year, the wings came with a contract. So I kind of left my all my studies aside and I wanted to, to follow my dream and become an NHL player. So I, uh, I, I left that engineering career to the side and, and, uh, that probably would have been something I would have pursued if I didn't, didn't become a right. hockey player. No, that would be really interesting. Do you ever think of maybe going back to that? Uh, I kind of lost, it's been in, a long time. Yeah, right? <laughs> I kind of lost interest in, in, in that part, uh, of, of, uh, the business, uh, as well. But uh, at the time when I was 16 and I had to, to look at the profession, that's something I looked at because I, I enjoyed you know what I did in school. Mm, wow. Uh, what's the biggest difference between playing in Europe and playing here? I would say the biggest difference is the, the ice surface. The hockey rinks in, in Europe and in international hockey is a lot bigger. The ice surface is uh, 15 feet wider, which makes it you have more room with a puck, mm-hmm. you have more time with a puck, and then you come to an NHL-sized rink, it, everything closes up on you a lot quicker. Players are on you quicker, you have to make quicker decisions. But after having played on both the European and NHL-sized rinks, I prefer NHL-sized rinks. It's a lot more fun playing in them. You yeah. you, you have more scoring chances, the, the game, the intensity of the game is higher, So, and I, I enjoy that more than, than playing on bigger rinks. Yeah. Okay, Nicholas Lidstrom, legendary NHL defenseman who played 20 seasons for our Detroit Red Wings. It was really great to have you here. Thanks for coming by. All right, thank you. And a reminder that uh, Nicholas will be at Little Caesars Arena outside Portal 8 between Kid Rock's Made in Detroit and District Market from 6 to 7.15 p.m. on Tuesday, December 17th, signing his book. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.